Great news for Informed Pregnancy Plus subscribers. Dive into our Core Connection course included with your subscription. Hosted by Natalie Headings, a pre- and postnatal exercise specialist and ACSM certified personal trainer, she's an incredible teacher. This five-video series equips you with essential insights to understand what your pelvic floor and core are, how they work, and how to enhance pelvic floor and core strength and proper function during and after your pregnancy and birth. Learn about pelvic floor basics, key postural adjustments, effective muscle releases, and breathing techniques for a healthier core and floor. Don't wait. Visit informedpregnancy.tv and get started with the invaluable core connection today. Welcome to the Informed Pregnancy and Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Elliot Berlin. My guest today is a media professional, and she is a mother of two, and her story to pregnancy and birth is quite interesting. Arista Alana, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. I'm so happy you're here, and you're going to have to listen to this episode all the way through. You probably do always anyway. But uh, we have an exciting announcement at the end of this one. But before we get there, let's start at the beginning. Where are you from originally? I am a Los Angeles native, born and raised Southern California. How was that growing up in the city of angels? You know, honestly, it was normal for me, I think, because it's all I've ever known. But when I talk to people who have not ever been to L.A., and they hear my stories, I'm realizing that it was quite different and definitely not normal to be in such a fast-paced environment and meeting, you know, and seeing just random celebrities here and there as I've grown up or going to school with like so-and-so's son or daughter, you know, so that was always something that wasn't weird for me. So yeah, it's, I think, been great. And I love the sun. I cannot stand cold weather, so I am forever damaged. <laughs> <laughs> like now is currently flood watches and rain, and I'm just like, what do I do with myself? I do not know how to operate in anything but the sun. <laughs> I was looking at my office window today. We have a great view, and the trees were all just shaking back and forth. There was a heavy downpour, and I was, it felt like I was in Miami. I don't know where I am. Yeah, that's how I feel. I'm like, what do I do? I'm like ordering groceries to be delivered. I'm so dramatic. <laughs> I need to go outside. <laughs> uh, all right. So you grew up in Los Angeles. And by the way, my wife and I were from New York, but like Staten Island, not the big city. And when we came here, we assumed we were going to see celebrities on every corner. And the other thing is that's interesting is I'm face blind. So even if I had a celebrity talking to me, I would have no idea who they are. So we used to just make it up on the corner. We'd be like, we'll be at a red light. And we're like, oh, look, there's Britney Spears. But we're just, you know. I love that. And yeah, I actually just recently found that out. I never knew that about you. I had no idea. Uh, I only found out when I was 39 is when I found out. Goodness. So 
also, I feel like you look different like every time. Yes. I don't think it's just me. Like, I, you're help. like I yeah. Yeah, so. I cut my hair and then I, yeah, I'm I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's totally fine. I wouldn't help anyway, but for you, like, usually I have a rough generalized, like, okay, this is what this person's going to look like. You're always like, you could be a completely different person playing a prank on me and I would have no idea. Whoopsie. But I am always wearing this necklace that has mm. my daughter's name, Aya, so... That's, That's a clue. But if you yeah, gave that to somebody else, then I would believe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Speaking of daughter, we got to get there. Let's just talk a little bit. We said that you were a media professional. What was that trajectory like? Wow. Oh, man. So let's see. In a nutshell, I always knew that I wanted to be in the entertainment industry. My father worked at Warner Brothers for a very long time and worked his way up from being a limousine driver to a famous anchor who we all know as Dallas Reigns. Oh, wow. Yeah, who was on ABC7 News. And funny enough, that was one of my first places I landed as an intern. And I got to actually go up to him and be like, hey, you knew my dad. And he totally remembered. And he actually carried me as a baby. So that was super cool. I had oh. a big love for broadcast journalism and being a news anchor, I loved Lauren Sanchez and, you know, that was like my whole vibe. And so I kind of bounced around from ABC seven to entertainment tonight, got to help a senior producer there and really was learning the ropes. And I kind of quickly realized that it wasn't my forte mm -hmm. in the sense that I just didn't want to know too much about celebrities in that sense, like who was dating who and all of that. I know that's something that is very interesting for some people, but it just wasn't the space that was really lighting me up. So I ended up shifting to radio and uh, music was my other love that got me through a lot of tough times growing up. And so I decided to dive into the music space and luckily landed an internship at Clear Channel, Kiss FM, 102.7 Kiss FM, which was, L yeah, it's LA's, you know, top 40 radio station and then 98.7 was the rock station still is the alternative rock they were the best of both worlds and that is basically like blending me in one you know and i was like this is awesome and so i actually was there for three and a half years i went from internship to then becoming a programming assistant production doing street team and i just worked my butt off and was going to schools working like five jobs. Like it was a very hectic time, very LA of me <laughs> to, be, <laughs> to be also working at a restaurant and also at a radio station. And I just made some connections and I always stayed in touch with the head director there. Shout out to Julie Pilot. To this day, I still know her. And I was like 19 when I started, not to age myself, but that was definitely like 15 years ago. So <laughs> I'll stop oh, at 15. Uh, I can but, do the math. But yeah, so um, but I won't. Yeah, so let's not. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, I landed there with her and I actually took a break briefly and moved to Oregon, Southern Oregon randomly. Took a break for about two years. I was burnt out, not gonna lie. I think I overdid it a bit and I needed to reset and find a new inspiration. And to be honest, Oregon kind of gave me that and I wasn't expecting it, but it also gave me like the granola phase in my life, which when I look back at, I was like the hippie girl. Oregon definitely brought that phase out of me and I suddenly became a yoga professional oh. or some thought and then was 
getting into aromatherapy, essential oils, and met an amazing biodynamic farmer up there. Yeah, it was like a whole nother side of me. Like my very green thumb side came out at that time. And then I missed my hometown. I missed LA. And I was like, okay, I'm too young, I think, to be here. And even though I was working at a radio station there in Oregon, um, a very small one, I was like, this is really slow. Like there's no billboards. There's no uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like it was definitely the nurturing vibe I needed at the time and very like therapeutic, but I was ready to come back. And so long story short, I came back to LA and then got back in touch with Julie and she needed an assistant at that time again, but this time for a different company called Beats Music, which it was named at the time. And it was a startup. And I was part of like the core team there that then got bought out by Apple. And it was like the biggest streaming music, you know, history deal that you've ever heard of. Um, and I was a part of that crazy acquisition and ended up at Apple for eight years. Wow, and, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And then now I've been recently at Netflix, but also still doing my own business on the side that's really catered in helping people find sacred presence on the go, which stems from motherhood, which I know we'll get into. <laughs> so. Secret presence. Yes. Hmm. Wait, but you also have botanica. Yeah, botanica. Yeah. So that's Alona Botanica. And that's the oils, which stem from like what I learned in Oregon, learning how to blend aromatherapy to kind of have like sacred presence on the go, which seems like, how is that even possible? But that's something close and dear to my heart, which is about soul wellness as a whole. And um, how can we integrate that presence in our life when we are moving so fast, especially as a mother and just as a woman and living in the city, these products that I make, like the mist and the body oils and the bath oils is something to encourage ritual as much as possible, because I know like not everyone can go to a yoga retreat in India or like, you know, even honestly, it's very difficult for me to make it to a yoga class. So I decided to create some tangible item and product that was special for me that I could throw in my bag, miss myself when I'm like in the car in traffic or like, you know, just needing a quick pick me up. And that was something to like come back to myself and feel connected within and essentially feeling at home wherever I go. So oh, it's really great. And now you help other people have those same experiences on the go yeah that's really cool um you have kids i do unexpectedly <laughs> but, well let's talk about that what does that mean because were you not like planning to be a mom no you know i was never really one of those girls i often hear like as a little girl i always wanted to be a mom and you know i'd play with dolls and i just knew that that was what i wanted and i didn't have that and I often felt a bit weird or like something was wrong with me that I didn't have that initial like plan, I guess, or like feeling it was never really something that crossed my mind. And I don't know if that's maybe because, you know, growing up, witnessing my grandmother having a very, very hard time coming from Costa Rica to the States and struggling very, very very hardly, you know, grew up on food stamps and Section 8. And it just wasn't the American dream, unfortunately, that she thought that it was for her in particular. And so she didn't have anybody. She was single, single mom of six and didn't have that masculine male support in her life. So I never really saw it as being a positive of, of having children and 
getting married and trusting that whole, you know, American dream with the white picket fence, I guess. Right. And then my mother also, you know, not being married to my father and splitting up when I was very young. And I guess I just never saw that model of like, hey, this is like a great thing to experience. And I think I was very scared. Very. Is your grandma from Costa Rica your mother's mother? Yes. Okay. So they split. So was your dad not in the picture or was he kind of? Yeah, my dad was like in and out. I like to call him like a rolling stone. He loves like kind of being on the road and being in the trees. That's where I get my love for like road trips and the forest and like nature is from him. So he was kind of like in and out. I remember meeting him when I was seven, but I know that he was in my life prior, but it was kind of choppy. And then once I was a teen, like 14 and up, then I remember like seeing him a lot. We went on trips and all that, but I think it was fairly hard for him to be in my life. You know, I don't know if it's because of my mom or or what. It gets complicated, but I know that he definitely tried when he could. And yeah, I guess I just never felt safe. Um, you have siblings? Yeah, half siblings from my dad's side. So like I have three sisters and two brothers. Okay. That you grew up with or not well, really? No. Okay. Like so, I knew of them, we would talk, but it wasn't like under the same roof. So really it was grandma, ma, and you. Yeah. And then my aunts, my cousins, my oldest aunt who also came from Costa Rica, but then my grandmother passed away when I was 14. And then that was like uh. super devastating for me. Like I had to grow up fairly quick at that age and kind of went into survival mode, to be honest. So. Well, so you paint a picture in which it's like, I don't know, to me, it just seems like, you know, understandable why that wouldn't want to be, you know, having responsibility for kids and wouldn't want to be something that you would chase after. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but somehow you have kids. All right. Let's take a little break because <laughs> I feel like the story's just warming up. And I feel also compelled to remind the listener at home that we have a surprise announcement. At the end of this episode with Arista Olana, we'll be right back. <laughs> this episode is sponsored by an innovative product that's made a big difference for parents and babies alike. Dr. Mom Butt Bomb. As a parent of four, I've had my fair share of battles with diaper rash, often resorting to thick, unpleasant pastes. I only recently discovered Dr. Mom Butt Bomb, and I was immediately impressed by its pleasant consistency and ease of application. This pediatric-approved skin protectant is free from dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, making it perfect for your baby's sensitive skin. It's designed by a doctor who's also a mom, ensuring your little one gets the gentlest care. A small dab is all it takes to soothe and protect, avoiding the mess and hassle of traditional treatments. With ingredients like dimethicone and petrolatum, Dr. Mom Butt Bomb not only soothes, but also restores your baby's delicate skin. Available on Amazon.com and Walmart.com, it's the smart choice for every parent wanting to keep diaper rash at bay. Remember, with Dr. Mom Butt Bomb, nothing comes between you and your baby. Not even diaper rash. <laughs> Welcome back. We're talking to Arista Alana. Okay, so you have this whole career thing going on, and then you go off to Oregon, and then you come back semi-hippified. And, and <laughs> the whole bougie. <laughs> <laughs> 
and then beats Apple, Netflix. Somewhere along there, you changed course and you started having kids. What happened? Yeah. So what happened? Yeah. What happened? I still wonder that, but in a good way. <laughs> okay. <laughs> not a, not a negative I mean, way. I know roughly yeah. what happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yes, my oldest just turned seven. So that was Happy about. Happy birthday. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, seven years ago, I got pregnant actually right before we launched Beats One Radio, which was so crazy. It was such a crazy time. Very, very hectic. And I remember finding out and I was like, oh, man, what am I going to do? And I remember my best friend being the one that I was just like talking to and like, what do I do? What do I do? And she was so understanding and just calmed me. And we would take walks because she was working with me at the office and we would take walks together on our break. And I would see like a little monarch butterfly, like fly by me. And I was still in my like little hippie phase because I was still new to coming back to LA. And I was like, it's a sign, you know, like I need to embrace motherhood and I have to do this. And I just feel like something like this is going to transform something within me. And it's really scary, but I feel like I need to move towards it. Like I need to like, you know, be scared and do it anyway. And so I did. And it definitely was scary. And I remember calling my dad and and he was very supportive in my mom. And so I was almost in shock, like, wow, everyone is actually pretty like happy and on board. And so even though I was like, oh, I just paid my car off and it was only a two-door car and I had all these plans to maybe, <laughs> you know, travel the world and do all this crazy stuff. Here is that, you know, the curveball. But I felt like it was going to really change me for the better. I have so many questions. Can yeah. you answer whichever ones you want to and not answer the ones you don't? But were you in a committed relationship? Uh, it's like, what is the definition of that at that time? It probably was not okay. considered. That. I'm going to be honest. It was yeah. like, hey, oh, cool. You're attractive. I see you around. I was going to like events that he was throwing in Venice, California at the time and uh, by Venice Beach. And we just were hanging out and then after like three months i ended up pregnant as happens how did you figure it out was it a big surprise yes it was a very big surprise and i felt a lot of shame because i was somebody that was like if that ever happened you know like even though i didn't think i'd ever become a mother the planner in me was like well if i did i need to be engaged first and we gotta live together and you know all the like perfect pieces that you think would make something be acceptable or okay, you know, without getting like the judgy eyes. But then I was that girl that was like, oh no, unexpected pregnancy with somebody that, you know, didn't even believe in marriage and was kind of more open with his, you know, commitment. And that was very scary to be in at the same time of embracing an unexpected pregnancy. But the one thing that I do appreciate is the honesty and the transparency that he had with me in the beginning and it was something that we talked about and that we decided to move forward like hey no matter what we're going to co-parent right we'll be like good co-parents to each other and for the child and so yeah I just I mean it was like navigating deep waters that I'd never had been in right but I was always an open-minded person and kind of just flowed with things and embraced things in life that came my way because I saw it as an opportunity to grow, like on a spiritual level as a person too. And so I was like, okay, 
this is what was, you know, presented to me and I'm going to take responsibility. How did you, like, what was your clue? The monarch butterflies. Oh, the butterflies. I know that sounds like so horny, but yeah, it was at that time a very symbolic animal for me, insect. (laughs) And I actually have a tattoo of a monarch butterfly on my right arm, which I had a few months before I got pregnant. So it was even more of like a, hey, you know, this is my own little sign, my own little explanation for myself that once I got pregnant, I kept seeing them everywhere. And when I wasn't sure what to do, and I was having a conversation with her father, he actually told me that that day prior, there was a dead monarch butterfly that was at his doorstep. And I was just kind of like, huh, "Huh, that's interesting. And, you know, I just took that as like, no, I, I need to like move forward and step into this as a woman. It's so odd to like look back at it now because at the time I couldn't put, you know, my finger on it. Obviously you don't know when you're in it until you look back and you see like, oh, wow. Yeah. Like I definitely changed and that that definitely helped me in my life, even though it was really scary and a really hard decision to make looking back, like I wouldn't have it any other way. And yeah, it's just amazing when you look back at your life, especially like, you know, seven years, 10 years ago, and you see how much it shaped you. Do you think the change started to take place when you decided to keep the baby or when you gave birth or through the act of parenting or? I think definitely when I gave birth and became like a mother, because like the pregnancy, I felt great and I still was doing things it kind of hits you like overnight. So I didn't really feel different until I had the baby like in my arms, you know, and I was like, whoa, okay, this is real. Like it's real. <laughs> yeah. it's, you know, they say all the time that the, at your first birth, there's two births simultaneously, the birth of the baby and the birth of the mother. And it sounds like you really experienced that. Yes. And that's a great way to put it. That's exactly what it was. So speaking of birth, you know, you're keeping a baby's uh, one thing, you know, deciding to co-parent also another thing, but then you have to get that kid out of you as somebody who never thought about having kids. How did that thought process go? Um, I was very fascinated around the idea of a home birth. I know, I know before all the judges <laughs> start, <laughs> start losing their mind, listening to this. Yeah, a home water birth. And I was fascinated with like having a midwife and a doula. And I still to this day think that it's very important to, you know, have a doula, but also like have a plan B, which I did not have. So I was just very laser focused on this home water birth. And I didn't want to think about anything else. And then I was definitely afraid of a C-section. So I wasn't even going to touch that idea or think about it. Who did you have to support you? Who was going to be there? So it was going to be her father, my midwife, my doula, and like two of my friends. Okay. Friends who had babies? Nope. Okay. And where did the idea of home birth even, because almost everybody gives birth at the hospital. So where did you even come to see that idea and think? Maybe I'm going to just blame Oregon. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to blame the dose of hippie life where I started researching and hearing people talk about, it was uh, Ina May. Oh, um, yeah. Ina May yeah. And like, you know, I started hearing talks about that and then going down the YouTube rabbit hole of like orgasmic birthing. And I think I was just like 
fascinated by it. I wasn't, again, thinking of having children. I was just like, well, interesting. Cause I was meeting a lot of families in Oregon and mothers. Yeah. So I was like, oh, well, that seems like the rebel thing to do. And that's how I live my life. Sometimes it's like, I'm going to go the other way and try this other cool thing that's different. And so that was the plan. And that was a whole nother layer. Did you do things to get sort of prepare mind and body for it? Or just like, yeah, we'll have a home birth. That's good. Yeah. I mean, I thought that I was prepared. So I kind of was like, didn't really know what I didn't know until I was in it. And I was like, okay, I'm not ready for this. This was kind of crazy idea. How did it start? So I started cramping, had the good old mucus plug, just so gross. I was not prepared for that. Delicious. Um, what is this slug on my thigh? What is this? Oh, giant burger came out of you? Yeah, it was so gross. And so <laughs> so <laughs> at that time I was like, you know, texting my doula and I would have like, well, I think it's happening. And they're like, that's great. And, you know, I just started like taking my time and, and wearing like, I had this like sarong, this like bright pink sarong from Hawaii wrapped around me and like all pretty in the front, but around my neck. And then a couple hours into feeling, I guess like the slow contractions, I didn't know then, but I know now that I had a panic attack. Oh yeah. And I totally blacked out. What? Yes. So had had you had panic attacks before? No. You needed a lot of mist. You needed the mist. Yes, exactly. And that's why I created them. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. I had no idea. So you don't remember what happened even now? I barely, it's like so vague. So I remember like fragmented moments that are just kind of like in and out. Um, I remember the sounds, like hearing things. I remember sensations and then little like blips of the entire birthing experience, which I guess I was told lasted three days. I have no idea. Was there any like pictures or video or anything that? Yeah, there were, but I did not watch any video. Still haven't? No. Mm -mm. Oh my God. We need to watch it. Oh my gosh. I know. I remember seeing. Oh my God. I want to do (laughs) like a video episode with you where you watch your birth and. Oh my gosh, no. Oh um, my gosh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you I still remember. still haven't watched it? No, because I remember when he played it once. I was like, no, 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 turn it off. Like, just like hearing me in pain, I was like, oh, I can't. I don't even know who that is. Like, it was just like kind of traumatic, not going to lie. So, I mean, maybe seven years now, I'm good, you know? We're just warming up in your story, but it sounds like you've come so far. Now I'm so curious. <laughs> What your reaction will be if you watch it, like if things will come back to you or not, or, okay, I digress. (laughs) Back to you. So you black out and on and off for three days. You can't tell us too much because you don't remember. No. And I just remember this one moment feeling in so much pain. So in the beginning, I remember feeling shortness of breath, right? When the contractions were starting and I started feeling like, Oh, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I thought it was a sarong being too tight on my neck because it was wrapped around and knotted in the back. And so I right away just took it off. And then I was just like naked there. And I was just like, oh, and I started freaking out. And I told him, I was like, I feel like, you know, I'm going to pass out. And I just remember everything, like just the circle, like zone, like zoning in and closing. And then next thing you know, I'm like in the water tub. And then I hear my midwife and my doula 
and my friends in the background and they're getting things prepared, but I'm like out of it. I'm like not even really present. And so I remember being in and out of the water and then them asking me to go into the shower and then going back in the water and then coming out of the water and then going on the floor and trying to do like movement and move my body. And then another part where my midwife was like, you know, you're only dilated six centimeters and I can't feel her. And she had like her hand, you know, up there, like trying to feel and see where the baby is. And I started getting worried at that point. And then I needed a catheter. And then immediately in that moment, I'm like, I'm pooping myself. And I'm like, why did I have this idea of a home birth? Like in that moment, mm-hmm. like this is gross. Like I feel gross. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, and I'm just like, I personally was not enjoying it. And then I just felt in so much pain like I was having back labor. And so I remember her telling me like the baby's like flipped, you know, and I was in excruciating pain. And then my friends were there and then they started trying to like, you know, calm me by singing and playing the drum and like the sound bowl. And I was just like overstimulated. I was like, none of this is helping me. Um, Like I thought it would, like I had this idea of this like super, you know, calming, relaxed zen vibe with the candles and the dim Mm. lights and the aromatherapy and everything right and it was just like I don't know I can't even focus you know and so it got to the point where I was on my back and I was having contractions so much to where I could barely take a breath I couldn't count to three seconds I was like like it was just excruciating in my lower back and I just started crying and I remember my midwife being like it's okay to stop here like whatever you want to do we can go we can transfer you know you're tired we don't want anything to happen to the baby, you know, let's like make the call. You know, my stubbornness was like kicking and it's like, no, I don't want to give up. Like this was, you know, the dream experience birth that I really wanted to try to have. But at that point I knew like I'm spent, like I'm exhausted. And so we decided to transfer and my doula drove us to the hospital. And I remember like getting up and they're trying to like help me. And I don't know, like that feeling of walking with like excruciating contractions was just horrible. And then I didn't know what day it was. I like saw the sun, but I was like, wait, but it was nighttime when I went to labor. So like, what is even happening? It was just like such a weird, weird experience for me to feel so like out of touch. And then, you know, being in the car in the backseat and just every bump and every movement was just like, ah, it just was hurting even more for me. Finally get to the hospital. I asked for an epidural right away, which is of course another thing that I was like, I'll never get an epidural because I knew of all mm-hmm. the chemicals and I would mm-hmm. go, you know? And so i like knew too much. And mm-hmm. so that also kind of made it really hard for me to accept the decisions that had to be made at that time with urgency because then I felt like I was hurting my baby. And so I was dealing with a lot of guilt and a lot of, you know, second guessing myself and just feeling like I gave up. But in the moment, I just needed relief. And so once they gave me the epidural, I was like, oh, there's that breath. There's that full breath and that feeling that I had been looking for. And then I asked if I could try, just give us a little bit more time, use the peanut ball in between my legs to maybe see if I progress now that I had the epidural, like just give my body a little bit more time now that I'm, you know, relaxed. And uh, they let me for a little bit, but then, you know, the OB came in and was like, we got it. We got to get this baby out because it's been, you know, a long time. Well, you said three days already. 
Yeah. Is this a, an OB that you knew? Like, no. is this a, so, no, just a random? My, yeah, my midwife knew her. I had no idea. I've never met her before. She walked in with a leather jacket, you know, like just super, like, you well, know, well, I admit, OB. Kind of like, but I think she was from New York, so maybe it worked out. <laughs> you know, it was like her. <laughs> but I just felt like, oh man, this is like kind of aggressive. Not like the glowing light around, you know. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like the nurturing woman vibe that I was kind of foreseeing the experience would be like, let me deliver your baby. And it's like, ah, no, it was like, nope, got to get her out. Let's go. And the minute she walked out of the room after she said, we got to have a C-section, she walked out. I just broke down like the hardest, deepest cry that I've ever experienced in my life. Similar to like basically when my grandmother passed away. Like I was just, oh my, I was devastated. What is the source of that devastation? Uh, one, I am so scared of like surgeries and hospitals. And I was just really scared to go under. I, I was scared of dying. Like, I don't want to die. But you don't have to go under. Well, yeah, but you know what I mean? Like, just like not being in control, but you already had an epidural. Yes, exactly. But I guess I, being cut open is. Uh... Yeah. Yeah. It was just something I hadn't prepared for. And so I didn't really know how I would feel. And it just felt very scary. So fear, but yeah. there's a lot of fear bubbling up for you. It's so interesting because, like in my mind, you're you're like this incredible badass. I can do anything, and you are. So I don't know if you became that <laughs> through yeah, no, this I think experience I, or definitely. And I think that's what it, you know earlier, like looking back to see how much this shaped me to become so much more, you know, empowered. And but I had to go through that moment to get there because i was definitely younger too and so much happens in like seven years you know and especially for me because i'm always very hard on myself like you got to do better you got to grow and you got to be a better than yesterday so you know I, when they told me that i was like dang it you know like again the plan didn't go as planned and you know and so i was just being hit left and right with things that were these curveballs that i didn't feel ready for but it was just like okay well here is the surrender plate right like here it is and the deepest of surrender that i will ever probably experience was in that moment and so i'm under and the lights are bright and i'm feeling a little anxious you know and again i don't know what that time what that is but i just have the shortness of breath and i'm trying to relax and uh next thing you know baby's out and she's eight pounds three ounces and healthy Ooh. and they, they put her right on my chest and she latched on right away and it was like such a beautiful experience but i was totally out of it like my eyes were closed when she was on me and so you just see like this like slight smile of like relief like ha ah, yes <laughs> like we're there now i can heal but i wasn't as alert as i had liked to be right the crying when you see your baby and you know all the pictures that you see i was just out of it and so at that point i don't know how much more you want to know but the hospital experience was great you know i had a great team baby was healthy and i was healthy and then we get home and you know doing the breastfeeding and tending to a c-section which is not fun and i realized in that time like wow everyone prepares you for a baby like they say have the baby shower and you know your baby registry and you got the doula oh, the and yeah, you have and all, and all the things. Yeah. But then the minute that you get home with your child and you become a mother, suddenly, and for me, this is how it was, the support kind of disappears. And there isn't that continued like, okay, now is the time, right? Where you really got to like eat well and you got to nourish your body and your mind and your spirit and you got to not overwork yourself. And all of that 
there wasn't really that reminder for me. And that was where I was like, there's something missing here. There's a big gap in postpartum time where mothers, I feel, aren't getting nurtured because I experienced that. You know, I don't have a big family. I didn't have like the aunts and, you know, the cousins and everyone coming and rubbing my feet and doing all this. And so I had to really seek that out for myself. And luckily I, I found, you know, Bellybind, who princess, who, you know, and she came and helped provide that care for me, which was so amazing. And I realized in that moment, like, wow, this is like gold, you know, for someone that just got like ripped open essentially. And like, you know, brought a child into the world and then to be able to receive and feel that comfort was really special. And so I ended up trying to find things like that, but it wasn't until the seven week mark with baby and being home that I knew I needed that because my C-section got infected. Oh no. Yeah. How did that present? I remember it it was like a fleshy wound. I remember looking down and I had staples. So I wanted stitches and I don't know what happened there, but she ended up using staples and I'm pretty like sensitive to metals. Like I know when I was younger, I used to always wear like, if I wore fake earrings or anything, or even fake bracelets, like I would break out. And so yeah, I, my, like, my kids maybe, are like that. yeah, so it was like, maybe that was that, but also, you know, hospital germs, like it could be so many things, but I remember looking down and I was in a lot of pain, but again, I had nothing to compare it to. So I thought that pain that I was feeling every time I had to go to the bathroom was just normal and come to find it wasn't. And so it was the infection that was brewing. And then it was starting to like pus. It's like super gross, but it, it was like, looked like my skin was eating itself like a fleshy. Oy. Yeah. It was very scary. I sent a picture to the OB. She's like, oh my gosh, I have to rush you right away. You need to go see the specialist. And I'm like, wait, what? Like with a seven day baby and like recovering from surgery. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, you gotta be kidding me. And so we're rushing. We don't even really have a car seat or anything. We're like trying to figure it out, you know, because we were kind of taking our time with all the gear stuff. So we rush to the specialist and he sees it and he's like, oh, I have to like drain this. Oh, no. Like in his office. Oh, right there. Right there. And he's like, and I have to take out like three of the staples on the right side. I'm like, what? And he went in for it and oh, that pain. Just more pain, more pain. <laughs> it's like, okay, um, here we are. And so he drained it and then had to stuff it with gauze. And he's like, so you're going to heal kind of weird. Like it's going to heal over the gauze and you can always come back and like have cosmetic surgery for that area. But like, this is the best we could do. Like, it's Oh gonna- my goodness. Yeah, really? He's like, yeah. He's like, you're going to have to have like a nurse come every day. And stuff that area with gauze, clean it, take it out. They would like roll the gauze, you know, like really small, stuff it in there in between my skin. And it was just, Pack it. ugh, yeah, it was terrible. So mm. got home and then had to deal with that and have nurses come every day and take care of that. And then I got mastitis like twice because, you know, I was really stressed and just overexerting myself. You know, I wasn't resting because like, what is rest even when you are trying to breastfeed and you're up and sleep deprived? <laughs> like I couldn't sleep. So yeah, that was like really brutal. Um, okay, so just to recap, you're like, I'm not going to have kids. And then you get pregnant because of the butterfly. And then you're like, I'm going to do a home birth. And then sort of blackout panic for three days in labor. But yeah. I will say this one word you used during that part of your story, like four or five times, is excruciating. And then after that, you said, and then this happened, it got more painful. I'm like, what's more painful than excruciating? And then 
a surgery, which also terrified you, and then complications from surgery. So that's where we are in the story at this point, in a nutshell. But the story continues because now you have another baby and we're going to get there, but let's take a quick break before we do. (laughs) Hey everyone, it's Dr. Berlin and I want to talk to you about something that is close to my heart, literally, omega-3. It's a crucial nutrient that's sadly overlooked. With 95% of women deficient, Needed, the supplement brand I trust, created their brand new Omega-3 Soft Gels. Designed by perinatal experts, they support you and your baby's well-being from fertility to pregnancy and beyond. Unlike other brands, Needed's Omega-3 is sustainable, pesticide-free, and third-party tested for purity. Plus, my favorite, it has a milder taste and smell, perfect for sensitive mamas. Don't wait. Visit thisisneeded.com and use code BERLIN to get 20% off your initial order. Experience the needed difference, consciously crafted for your health and the planet. Welcome back. We're talking to Aristo Alana. So, yeah, we'll just recap the whole story before the break. And now things have turned again because you have a baby. So flash forward seven years, I mean, you could recap what happened there, but I'd love to get into this most recent pregnancy and birth. Yeah. So Sophia, she's nine months. She's amazing. And this pregnancy, you know, after having Aya, I was an only child and I didn't want her to be an only child. So even though it was like, okay, I don't know that I can do it again. And once she turned five, I felt like myself again, like I felt like I was coming back online, but I had gotten pregnant when she was three and unfortunately had a miscarriage. Oh, I'm sorry. Six weeks. And um, when I was three. Yes. And so I had to take a pause. Um, I was like, I need to pause here, you know? Um, Oh, so that one was an intentional pregnancy. That one was, you know, if it happens, it happens kind of thing. Oh, one of those. Yeah. And so, (laughs) yeah. And I was so excited about it. And I felt like so happy because I was like, oh, three years, that's a perfect gap. And that happened like on New Year's. So that was. Oh, my goodness. Uh, It's because you didn't get a butterfly. Exactly. Where was my butterfly? Obviously. (laughs) Sorry, that's so hard, especially. Yeah. Especially like you struggling to make the choice to Mm -hmm. get pregnant then getting pregnant and then losing it. Yeah. And so, you know, I was trying to figure out what happened there. My doctor has said your progesterone levels were low. And so I was on a progesterone cream for quite some time, but also just like took a pause and took a step back. And then fast forward to when I was five, got pregnant again and lost that one too. Oh, no. Yeah. That one was at eight weeks. And I'm like, what is going on? Is that another, if it happens, it happens? Yes. And that one, I didn't feel very well. And I don't know even how to describe it today, but I was stuck in bed for like three days. I was crying. I was depressed. I didn't feel like myself. And so I kind of had a feeling something was wrong and I just didn't know what. And then when I started getting cramping, I was out at dinner with my best friend and I was, you know, bleeding. And so I was like, oh no, not this again, you know, because I knew it from the first time around and yeah. And so that was a bummer. And then Sophia came and we were actually in Hawaii and that one, you know, 
I think we were definitely like hoping and trying that, you know, Hawaii does that to you. <laughs> like if you've ever been you feel so romantic and just lovey and there's you know that island's just so funny but yeah so we were like okay like we're on this island and you know by ourselves and so why not and then i yeah ended up pregnant and this time i felt great and nothing was going wrong i had a great pregnancy towards the end i started feeling a lot of pain and it was only like when I had to go to the bathroom, like pee. And I was, I just didn't know what that was. And I figured like, oh, maybe it's for my C-section, like the infection and the right side's a little like weak. And maybe the pressure from her is like, you know, causing this weird pain that in the middle of the night, I would wake up and have to like crutch over and walk and hold and put pressure on my stomach to like release the pee. And then I would feel relief. That does not sound normal at all. Yeah. So that was. Is this something you talked to your doctor about? I did. Yeah, I did. And so she didn't really say much about it. You know, she was like, oh, well, you have one ovary. You had a cyst there in the past. Like, you know, it wasn't really like discussed in detail. And because hmm. that's not one of those things that you get like, oh, it's just pregnancy. Mm -hmm. It'll pay. You know, that's yeah. the standard answer for most things. But that's not even one of those things that would warrant that answer. It does not sound like something common in pregnancy. I don't know where that's headed, but before we go down that path, did you have thoughts on how you wanted to deliver Sylvia? Yes. So this time, because of what I went through with Aya, I was like full on force, like hospital. Okay. I was like, I was and, like I'm not even going to take a chance to. And like full force hospital with meds. Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. Since you had already been through a cesarean, I mean, because that's the first choice usually you got to think about is now am I going to try for a vaginal birth or go for a repeat cesarean? Yeah. So I did want to try VBAC, which, you know, vaginal birth after cesarean, but I told my doctor, I want to wait and see how the pregnancy progressed to see how things were going and you know, her placement, how I felt. And she was totally on board with that. She was like, yeah, you know, no problem. But then as that pain was coming on around six, seven months, I started to get concerned. And that was kind of my own like mama intuition where I was like, well, I don't know that I want to wait for my water to break having this pain. Like, I just don't want to have another crazy, scary complication issue where I rupture and you know like it could be even scarier which is like how would that even be possible from my first experience which was already scary so i wanted to try to dodge as much as i could from the unexpected and knowing that i've had a c-section before i knew what to expect okay and so it wasn't that panicky yeah exactly what's uh, i can't have surgery but mm -hmm. also uh, just because you said uh, what if i rupture um people are not familiar with VBAC. Because during the original cesarean, there's an incision made in the uterus itself to get the baby out, and that is repaired. The concern is, what if during the throes of labor, the buildup of intensity during labor, that scar doesn't hold it together. It starts to separate or pop open the medical term uterine rupture. So that was on your mind as well. Yeah, and I know, what is it? The amount you can wait is two years is recommended, right? Uh, yeah. You know, even though it was like, what? six years i still was like eh, i don't know yeah seems like that should have healed by then <laughs> yeah so because of the infection i just was like eh, i don't know it might be a little weird in there you know and um a you know, little weird in there but <laughs> i mean 
<laughs> yeah, but that's what was on my mind. I mean, if the more topical incision didn't heal well, how do we know that the one deeper down did? Exactly. So I went with my gut and then I decided nice. to choose a date. Nice pun. You know, <laughs> uh, delivery date, which was June 22nd. And my dad was super happy because that's his birthday. Oh, that's my uh, parents' anniversary. Oh, nice. Wait a second. So go with a delivery date for like induction or just, oh, you made the decision. Repeat C. Yeah. Yeah. So, feeling something yeah. strange in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Okay. So finally, like, cause it was starting to get a little bit more intense, like as the pregnancy prolonged, like the heavier she would get, the more that pain was starting to feel like sharp pains. And I just was like, ah, it just doesn't feel normal. Like I remember having to put like heating pads on it and I like rested a lot, just like was like, I probably shouldn't be doing too much right now. So I was almost like putting myself on bed rest, to be honest. I just was kind of listening, not kind of, I was, I was listening to my body in towards the end of the pregnancy because I just didn't want anything to happen, especially because of the two previous losses. Yeah. So we picked a date and then the day came and I remember just feeling like I wanted to move really slow that day. And it was like thunderstorming and all that. So I didn't get the butterfly, but I had a thunderstorms. <laughs> and, oh, nature. and I'm like, LA, really? This is weird. It felt like I was in the desert. So we get to the hospital and we're about like 20 minutes late and we got totally like reprimanded. They were like, do you see the time? And I was like, okay, not today with your attitude. Like, I was just like, why? Because you were 20 minutes late to your yeah, cesarean appointment. Yeah. yeah. It was like this whole weird, like just not very kind and not how I want to start my day of going into a very, you know, intense surgery. I was like, Hey, good morning to you too. Mm. And Can I get you some coffee. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was just like, okay, whatever. So get into the room and I should, you know, clarify that this is a new partner and it's my husband and it's, you know, and he's amazing. And so like, it's not the same person as the first pregnancy. So I Damn. had split up and. Is that I the same for the two miscarriages as well? Yes. I have a whole new oh, life. A oh, good support. Good support yeah. then as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we're in the room and they're like, oh yeah, you are having small contractions. I was like, yeah, I can feel that. So they were like putting me on the belly monitor and just waiting. And then I get a call from my OB and she's like, you're late. I can't see you, you know? And so we're going to have to schedule a different day. And I was like, okay. What? They moved your birth? Mm-hmm. Yep. She was like, this is pushing all the births back and my surgeries. And I was like, all right, whatever. It's like, I didn't want to be stressed, you know? And I was like, everything for a reason. And so we went home, <laughs> got sent home and I'm like, okay, cool. So my now rescheduled C-section is like three days from now, but like, what if my water broke tonight or tomorrow? Like, you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> kind of one of those things where like, you'd have to be available, but so then it moved from the 22nd to the 24th, which was a Friday. And it was a way better experience, like going back, like reset. <laughs> so we go back and, you know, this time we're even more prepared because, you know, my husband like had his bags and everything ready. And like, <laughs> you know, like this time it's like, okay, now I really didn't forget anything because we got so that do over. Yeah, exactly. So there and i'm you know still a little nervous like to do the c-section it's still scary the lights and all of that but i'm not as like scared because i knew what to expect and i also trusted my doctor and i chose her for specifically for a reason i knew she was the best for what i was wanting and we get there and have my husband next to me and then 
all of a sudden things started to feel a little weird as we're in the operating room and it gets a little bit quiet and I'm like, Oh, what is going on? And starting to feel a little like tugging and the anesthesiologist was like, are you feeling anything like do? And I'm like, like he could tell on my face that it was uncomfortable. And I was like, yeah, I'm feeling burning. And he's like, Oh, like you shouldn't be feeling that. And so we like, mm-hmm. you know, up the dose. And in that moment, I didn't know it, but they had found a ton of scar tissue that was all on my right side that had traveled up. I, I don't know if she, she had mentioned maybe from the infection, but the scar tissue wrapped around my uterus and bladder and oh my gosh. it twisted over towards the right. Like it pulled it? Yes. Oh my goodness. So that's what you were feeling when you would have to pee and things? Yep. So I was like, okay, now it makes sense. And so the scar tissue was all around. So she's like, we have to take more time. Like the C-section, you know, is there, but we need to take more time to scrape as much of this as we can out. Oh, I'm glad she had time and didn't have to reschedule you until Monday. (laughs) (laughs) And at that point, the partner that the doctor that was with her was not the one that was scheduled with her on the 22nd. And she later had told me like, I'm so glad you were late because, you know, if it was that day and we opened you up, might not have been able to like really tend to you like we wanted to on this date with this doctor. And I was like, well, great. Everything for a reason, right? I guess so. Yeah. So it all worked out and I had a great team and nurses were amazing. So they were doing that. And then she's like, you also had a window uterus, which, you know, they could see the baby. Oh, through the scar, you mean? Yeah, like this, just clear. Like she was like, the minute I opened you up, I could just see her right there. Wow. Okay, so that's what they're saying. The scar thinned out Mm -hmm. so much, like didn't separate, but thinned out so much that you could essentially see through it. Yes. Wow. So it's like, okay, well, I think I dodged a bullet, right? It's like you don't know. You'll never really know. But I'm glad that I went with the decision that I went with, based off of what I was feeling towards the end of my pregnancy. And so, yeah, she was born, and she was what six. No, seven one, seven pounds and one ounce, and just cried. And like in that one, I was more alert and I immediately like cried. And then she pooped on me. So that was cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I had just like had these extensions and it was like, you know, I'm going to be like J Lo and, you know, having like <laughs> J Lo. And I had just done my hair that day, took a shower, was like, you know, going to go in all cute into surgery. And then <laughs> next thing you know, I'm like, I feel wet, like down my neck. And then the nurse oh. and was like, oh, she pooped on you, her first poop. And I'm like, okay, can we wipe me down? And Great. oh, that's the, what did she say? It's um some medical term. Like, McCone? no, she's like, it's a vile pooper. Like it's a good poop. Like it's a healthy for you. Like, oh. like that's great. But like, I don't really need like poop body wash or, you know. <laughs> you never know. That's how those things get started. <laughs> Sounds like once again, you needed the mist. Yeah. Yeah, It's going to come out with a line, just like baby poo lotion. Oh, Uh, goodness. So I guess they have that coffee that some animal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, no, thank you. So that was hilarious. And I call her poopsie now. And uh, (laughs) the anesthesiologist, he's like, can someone wipe her down? You know, like he was Mm. so concerned. It was so cute. But yeah, just all of my extensions. So there went that cute planning to be cute just nope and then she right away latched on and it was beautiful like everything was so sweet and amazing in the hospital I was there for like four or five days how was recovery recovery was great I was more prepared this time I had meals prepared you know I had my dad's wife make me amazing abonegas soup from Mexico and 
and cocido soup, which was very, very soothing for me. And we had my little food tray ready to go. And we set up our guest bedroom and had just a very like womb-like, you know, experience uh, together as a family. And I got to meet her baby sister and it was really beautiful. I I felt so supported. My mother-in-law came in from Florida and I had such, such a different experience than the first time around. It was not traumatic. Therapeutic? Yes. Mm. Yeah. And I think also, you know, because I knew what I was getting into, but also like having a supportive partner and a family and feeling like I arrived to the point like, ah, I get it now. Like I get why this is such a sacred and beautiful mission for women and also like for men to step into the role as a father and husband and all of the things, you know, I, in that moment was like, wow, this is such a beautiful gift to be given and to take on as hard as it is, you know, there is that beauty to it. So, yeah. What a journey. Yeah. And it's still going, but it's great. It's like, what a journey, just the whole thing from childhood on up to today, very, very intense, powerful journey. I mean, what are your take home messages from your own experiences? Um, honestly, I would say like looking back or just overall, like if I could tell anything to my younger self, (laughs) um, is don't be so hard on yourself. And, you know, there is no such thing as perfection with my first pregnancy. The thing I kept telling myself was motherhood isn't about perfection. It's about transformation. And that was kind of like my own little mantra that I started repeating to myself that I still to this day do because it is so telling. I think we were very, very hard on ourselves as women to get everything right and to be the perfect mom and to not have mom guilt and to always be on. And then we put ourselves last and it's just never ending. And it's really not about any of that. It's really on the deepest level of transforming all of the things that you thought was how it was supposed to be and what everyone told you how to be and how to do things, transforming that into what you value and what it is that is beautiful for you and your family and how you're creating your home life. And that's okay. Like I just learned not to be so hard on myself with what everyone thought about my story. Right. Because I had a lot of that shame in the beginning Mm -hmm. to really transform that into something that was my soul wellness. (laughs) So, yeah. Wow. And I think at this point I need some of the mess too. I got some for you. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay. So we promised a little teaser at the beginning that we have a little announcement to make. And here it is. So we started this new platform, Informed Pregnancy Plus, with streaming video content with the same mission as all the other Informed Pregnancy projects, which is to just expose, give you access to information, stories, anything that you can use to become more informed, more empowered and make choices and find support for the choices that you make. And Arista has agreed to do a series called Empowered Mama, and it'll be kicking off next month from the time of this recording is April, which is Cesarean Awareness Month. And Arista has a whole series of interviews with women who had cesarean birth. And that's going to be the first month of Empowered Mama. 
So I'm excited. Thank you so much. I am very excited. I mean, your own transformation and then just like throw onto that your skills from all your years of radio, media and entertainment. These are going to be powerful, powerful episodes, powerful stories, and they're going to help a lot of people. So look out for Empowered Mama with Arista Alana on Informed Pregnancy Plus, which you can access at informedpregnancy.tv or through apps on Apple, Android, and Roku. Arista, I appreciate you so much on so many levels. Thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing so openly. I can't wait till we get to sit down with the team and plow through your old birth video from <laughs> number one. Oh my gosh. Thank you. I'm so, so honored. And I just feel so grateful to know you and all the relief that you've given me in my pregnancies and to so many women. You're amazing. Oh, thank you. Where can we find you online besides Informed Pregnancy Plus? Yes. On Instagram, it is Ilona Botanica. So that's I-L-O-N-A-B-O-T-A-N-I-C-A. And I do have a personal page. It's Arista Alana, but unfortunately I got locked out of it. So it's, <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole nother story. So yeah, it's just Ilona Botanica. And Ilona Botanica, that's all we need. I'm going to go get some mist. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much for sharing my story. Oh, my pleasure. And then home, in addition to Informed Pregnancy Plus, you can find all of our media, the podcast, the blog, and the videos at informedpregnancy.com. I got a whole lot of questions for you. This kid's gonna test my will. I got a lot to learn and my babies too. <laughs> this episode is sponsored by an innovative product that's made a big difference for parents and babies alike. Dr. Mom Butt Bomb. As a parent of four, I've had my fair share of battles with diaper rash, often resorting to thick, unpleasant pastes. I only recently discovered Dr. Mom Butt Bomb, and I was immediately impressed by its pleasant consistency and ease of application. This pediatric-approved skin protectant is free from dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, making it perfect for your baby's sensitive skin. It's designed by a doctor who's also a mom, ensuring your little one gets the gentlest care. A small dab is all it takes to soothe and protect, avoiding the mess and hassle of traditional treatments. With ingredients like dimethicone and petrolatum, Dr. Mom Butt Bomb not only soothes, but also restores your baby's delicate skin. Available on Amazon.com and Walmart.com, it's the smart choice for every parent wanting to keep diaper rash at bay. Remember, with Dr. Mom Butt Bomb, nothing comes between you and your baby, not even diaper rash.